right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Mama to Mamas. Tonight, I have one of my favorite people on the podcast, Kelly Kuchin, and I will read how Kelly and I are connected. And I just have to say, this is like one of my most favorite parts of the podcast is is doing my little reflection on the uh, connection that me and my wonderful guests have. So this one was really fun. Kelly and I met at work in 2012. We became very fast friends and grew very close in a very short amount of time. When I moved to New York, she wrote me a note that I still have. I whipped it out tonight and it said some of the best things ever that I think summed up Kelly and I very nicely. She writes, a job is a job, but to make lasting friendships makes it all so worth it. I feel like I have learned so much from you, and I hope maybe you from me. So I decided to make a list. Be more friendly. Blogging. Smiling is contagious. Breakfast is an important meal. Take your time making it. How to be a good friend. Have more fun. Some things hopefully you learn from me. Marriage is fun and exciting. I did learn that from you. <laughs> the truth about pregnancy. Yep. And what a great friend you are. And then the note ends with, I will never forget, you were the first person to know I was pregnant. Thank God for that day. And it is true. I was practically in the stall with Kelly when she peed on the stick and found out she was pregnant with her first. I've always felt that motherhood comes so naturally to Kelly, and I've loved watching her become a mom three times over. Kelly is a certified sleep consultant at Little Dreamer Sleep Consulting, and she truly rescued me and my family at a very challenging time with Maddox's sleep just a few months ago. Don't know what I've done, would have done without her. And she currently lives in the Bay Area with her husband and three tiny humans who are nine, six, and four. So, Kel, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm so excited. That letter, I don't remember, but it's, I mean, that was really spot on. Right? So spot on. And it, I had forgot we really only had, you know, this, I think it said seven month crossover before. Like I changed offices, but yeah, we were, we were meant to be friends from the beginning. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Definitely. I was there five years. That's crazy. If you were only there seven months, because it feels like the whole time that you were there. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to start with pregnancy, of course, because that's the part of this origin story. So I remember that day pretty vividly, or at least the moment. I remember like being in the bathroom with you, and I remember I was back in my office and it was full glass, and then you walked by and you were like, I'm pregnant. Like it was like this visual, I have this visual of you like walking by and the test being positive. So um, do you remember that day? And what is it like to find out you're pregnant for the first time? Yeah, I mean, of course I remember that day. I remember that I was like trying to wait to go home and take a test. I think that was like full. And then I just like couldn't because I was like so anxious about it. And so then I went into the bathroom at work and had taken the test. And like, I think as anybody feels when they're first like seeing a positive result, you go like completely numb. Uh I'm not the type of person to just like be like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody. I mean, obviously they flaunted around the office, but I needed to like (laughs) tell you. Um, And so, yeah, like I do remember that. I mean, I feel like from that point on, everything is like a blur. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely remember you being there. I remember being in the bathroom and I remember being like very shocked about it all. Did I know before John? Yeah, he was (laughs) in China. Right. Oh, he, he I remember he used to go Denver. for long periods. Yeah. Yeah. So John used to travel for work for like two weeks at a time. And mm. fun fact for the first two pregnancies. So for Cade, my eldest, and then for Finley, I found out that I was pregnant when he was in China both times. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, I think I had to wait like another week after I had found out to tell him I didn't want to tell him like over the phone so I did each time wait till he came home Uh from China but yeah he was in China for both of my first pregnancies (laughs) so yeah and the very first person I love it I love it so much I it's just reminding me of when I found out I was pregnant and I 
wanted, I was at a girls weekend and I wanted so badly to just like go to wall. I was in San Diego. I wanted to go to Walgreens and like (laughs) do it, but I forced myself to wait two days, (laughs) get home that Sunday and like wait to be with Pat. And it's very hard to like, keep it to to, like contain yourself. It's very hard to keep it. And it's very hard to not like continually pee on the stick because like you (laughs) don't believe it. And so you just keep doing it. it. And then each time it's just positive. I think I always like capped at like five tests. I was like, all right, this is like for sure. You know what I mean? Totally. I bought even a whole other box. Time, even the third time around, you do that because it's still just like a complete shocker yeah. to the system. So, yeah, every time. I was actually going to ask you that, like, obviously thinking about like what it will be like to get pregnant again, hopefully. What is it like to find out? Is it, is it like the coolest feeling every time? Because it, it feels like such a miracle to get pregnant. Like, honestly, just knowing how slim the chances are, like, yeah. you know, you don't really know that going into it. But like, does it kind of keep that same novel feeling every time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think it ever. I think there's like certain things with having children and pregnancy that never like die down with the multiplication of how many you have. And I think that's mm-hmm. like, For me, it would be like finding out you're pregnant, Mm -hmm. finding out the gender, whether that's through found or at birth. Yeah. um, And then seeing your child for the first time. Like, I feel like those are very three pivotal things. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter how many times, whether it's the first or whether it's like the whatever, you know, sixth time, that those are such important. It doesn't get any better than those moments. And I will say like knowing that we're not having any more kids, those are the things that you have to kind of let go of because that was so great. Yeah. So like knowing you're never going to experience those things, there's a little bit of a sadness that you have to kind of process when you know. Like a grieving almost. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's almost like, and I've been thinking about this recently with weaning is, is it kind of like with your third where you maybe after the fact where you like, this is the last time I'll ever breastfeed another he- person. Yeah. Tiny for sure. human. And I breastfed her for like way too long. I breastfed <laughs> her for 16 months. So for my third, that was my first time ever not working, having a yeah. baby. So she was yeah. my first child, even though she was my third child where I was not a working mom. Yeah. It was technically... But sleep consulting, I do from home. So it's different. But it was the first time that I was there with her yeah. all the time. I didn't have a nanny and I didn't have another caretaker. It was just me. So yeah. I, it was just what we did. And I don't regret it at all. But it definitely was harder yeah. the third time around because of that. But yeah, I yeah. dressed her for like 16 months and it was a very hard weaning process with the other two. It was very easy because I was not home all the time and they were already used to bottled and it was not hard. They did not have a hard time and she had a very hard time. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense though. Just with like proximity and time spent together and like you being away all day versus home and all that. Yeah. 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 Did you always want three? Uh, Well, I mean, so we never said we're done at two. And so I feel like that's kind of the thing that if you don't say no, there's Mm -hmm. room for another, right? Mm -hmm. So like we hadn't made the decision like, oh, we're going to have three. It was like, Mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know. We'll see. We just weren't sure. We were like, if it doesn't happen, we would be fine. But like maybe, right? But she came at a very like unopportune time. It wasn't like, when you would be wanting to try for a child and she yeah. was not a planned pregnancy. So like oh, although she wasn't not wanted or we hadn't entertained three, it was yeah. not a, it was not the best time to be pregnant with another child. <laughs> mm, got it, got it. Meaning like where you guys were in your life or all the things that you had on your plate, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had just gotten I'm I was contracting so I had yeah. gotten off at AOL and then I was contracting for like That's probably right. a year. I had had a six month contract at Pop Sugar and then I was doing a six month at Sephora. Yeah. And Sephora was like a really low time in my life career wise mm-hmm. where I just mm-hmm. really 
was not sure what was going to happen. And, you know, we were living in San Francisco and we had two kids and we had this huge expense of a nanny, which is a ton Mm -hmm. of money. Oh yeah. And my contract had ended at Sephora. So technically I was unemployed and we were really stressed about like me finding the next, whatever the E knowing that we had this nanny that we were going to have to support and whatever. And then I, as my English friend would say, I fell pregnant. (laughs) It was kind of like a little, little sign from the universe though. I mean, a hundred percent because it changed our lives completely in every aspect, every aspect it changed our lives, but it was a very stressful time because we were like on a one salary with a nanny living Mm -hmm. in the city. And we were like, wow, how do you work? Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So of course we made very drastic changes, yeah. but yeah, with the, again, like not a, like, oh yeah, it's a perfect time to try for another child. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. But the universe sent you her at, at yeah. the imperfect time, which made all the changes. Did you ever have a feeling, and someone said this to me recently, and it made me think she was feeling like her family wasn't complete yet. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting way to think about it because that really described kind of how I feel like I it's it doesn't quite feel complete yet as far as you know we have one obviously Maddox and and you know hopefully he can have a sibling someday did you ever feel like that sense of completeness or incompleteness at all um I feel like no because I feel like I could have been complete with Caden Finley okay but like what I could say more so is I felt like I could have taken more. So Mm -hmm. the way I describe like whether or not like people are like, well, why wouldn't you want to have another child or why, you know, and the way, the best way I can describe it is that the way we feel now with having three is that we are at max capacity. Uh, Like we are max capacity emotionally, Mm -hmm. um, financially. It's crazy. Right. So like, I can't imagine taking more on. Yes. Right. So that's kind of like how I see it. But if I had had that feeling of feeling like, oh, whoa, yeah. like, a lot. And we're so du- like, I can't give any more to my children and be a good mm-hmm. mom with the mm-hmm. two than I, than I would have felt that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. for me, the feeling of feeling complete with your family wasn't necessarily like, oh, I envision another child or I envision sure. Because I still have memories of the four of us and I cherish those memories and I felt mm-hmm. very complete as a family of four. Yeah. But we knew we could when, when we got pregnant, we were like, okay, we can, like, we were in a pretty good spot. Kate and Finley were kind of in a groove and like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We're like, okay, we can do this. Right. Yeah. We're like, now I, I don't, <laughs> I can't imagine having a sure. Like, yeah. I just, it would just be too stressful for me. And I think yeah. every person has a different level of max capacity, whether yeah. that's one or two or five. And that depends on so many different variables. And for us, that was three. And I know that there's no more yeah. than that. That makes so much sense, though, to look at it from the lens of like what you have the capacity to like hold the space for, like mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. Yeah, for sure. It totally resonates. Yeah. And like with each child, I felt like mental health and like mm-hmm. time for myself. Each child mm-hmm. takes away more and more of that. And the more yeah. children you have, the yeah. less of that you have. And yeah. that was where I knew that I was like, this is where we draw the line. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of people say like one to two is hard and harder than two to three. But for us, that was not the case. One to two really wasn't that hard for us at all. It was very seamless and it actually made a lot of sense. And I think to your point, when we had to, we felt this great completeness with like a family Mm -hmm. of four, like it felt very even and like great. But then when we went to three, two to three children, it kind of off jiltered everything and like kind of, it kind of unsettled things for a bit. Yeah, totally. And so, again, I think that depends on so many different things, like your children's personalities and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Wally, mm-hmm. our third is a very 
strong-willed child yeah yeah like they're always like oh the third just goes with the flow and I'm like that's, that's like BS. what universe says that every third child is just this miracle child that doesn't yeah make and that yeah. really it's me because I'm like no that's not how it works so totally okay when we recently I think gosh Maddox had to have been it was right after I moved here. So he was somewhere around two to three months and we met up for a walk and I was like, this is really hard. And I have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and yeah. I was expecting like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. And then, you know what? You really, instead you gave me the opposite perfect answer, which was just like, yep, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's your personality type. And that's just kind of the cloth that we're cut from. Like, that's yeah. how we, we cared so much. And we emulate that through like anxiety and concern. And so I just yeah. want to know, A, <laughs> do you have a perspective on that? Is that kind of just a mom energy of anxiety that we all can exude? And yeah, so tell me that. Start there. I mean, I feel like, yeah. I mean, so with what I do, like I get the privilege of working with a lot of moms. And I do think that when you become a mom, mm -hmm. there's this, no matter who you are or like what your personality is generally, that there's like this huge responsibility given to you and it's anxiety inducing. That said though, I feel like there's definitely people that can just roll with the punches and they like chaos and they like messes and they like <laughs> unstructured days. Mm -hmm. And I find that those people are the people that maybe have more than three kids or maybe that, you know, like it's easier for them. They just aren't as, like you said, sensitive where like when I became a mom, seeing my child, so Cade was colicky, Ugh, like, and he so was hard. like in pain for like, I don't even know the first three months of his life, just crying. Like every yeah. day he had like stomach pains. It was unbearable for me. Like, I just was like, this is, awful mm -hmm. I just remember being like this is like not what I thought this was going to be yeah um, so I think it's definitely personality but I also just think being a mom is just anxiety inducing because you're now like responsible for this other person and there's so much that you know happens when you have a kid that you're like every little need that they need is now your responsibility so it's like yeah. overwhelming at times or yeah. all the time and then, you know, coupled with like, if you're not sleeping, you're just like, whoa, like what is yep. happening? Yeah. It only um, exacerbates it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think this day and age too, I would say from my experience, we don't have the help that we used to. Historically speaking, like it takes a village, parents were much more involved and, you know, neighborhoods yeah. and grandparents and now I think it's very much like you we just do so much on our own like you're still expected to hold a job and be up all night yeah. nursing and do this and it's where's the support I just feel like it's yeah. very lacking these days yeah. um which makes it even harder yeah that, that's so true I quickly learned that you you literally can't do it alone I mean the the amount that I leaned on, of course, Pat, like my partner, you know, was just more than I was expecting because it's just, I have so much like compassion for anyone who has to do it solo because it is, there's so, so many layers to it. Um, do you feel like baby over baby that the anxiety evolves with Cade? Obviously, I can't even imagine having a colicky baby like that just to hear them cry like non-colic is the worst you know so you yeah. went from that and then you had lolly right so like at baby over baby like did the anxiety change I oftentimes for me I'm like okay Maddox he survived I know I can get another baby to survive because one did yeah <laughs> I know that's like a very kind of morbid, morbid thought but it, for you like was there as you had each one did, did the anxiety evolve or decrease or change yeah. I mean, I think I was in a very different place with each of mine. And I think mm -hmm. if I think back upon it, I think Cade was very hard because it was like my first child. But then I went back to work and I had this amazing nanny who was with our family for five years. And I think she really saved me that, you know, mm -hmm. I was like away from it. 
And then I had Finley and Finley was a very easy, Finley is to this day, our easiest child. And she's <laughs> very like typical and easy. And like, I think I kind of survived that. I think my lowest was probably having Lolly because I was a stay at home mom of three mm. children. Mm. I'd never been a stay at home mom. So I was like having a newborn, but also taking care of a five and a two and a half year old. Oh so, yeah way more so like I yes. have that escape of going to work and having yeah. this person come in and take care of my children yeah I was you know they were in preschool but like still yeah. like you know I still had to get them to preschool and take care of them you know and be up all night with all I mean John's amazing too he was very supportive but John was going into the city so yep. like it was a very hard time to just navigate all of that mm-hmm. I also, I mean, from what I understand from like a research and science-based perspective is that with each pregnancy, your anxiety levels tend to increase because mm. of, for whatever reason, age, responsibility, all that sure. stuff. So I think Kate was hard feeling, but Lolly was probably the only one where I would say like, I for sure had postpartum anxiety. I think Kate was just new motherhood and not understanding. Sure. But with Lolly, it was my first real experience of like whoa what's happening yeah. but yeah it makes sense really when I think about it it makes so much sense just to have that added responsibility I hadn't thought of it from your perspective of being a working mom in a different way meaning like a full-time mom working mom versus <laughs> a you know having help during the day and going to like a corporate job you know today it's funny uh, our nanny started this week and I'm so grateful for it. And it's such a privilege to have a nanny and I left the house and I went to work and I, not that I didn't worry, <laughs> but it, it was just the separation, yeah. right? Like you're not in it in the same way that you would right. be if you didn't have that situation. So it makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, I think your brain is getting like a break. So you're, yeah. you're not because you're still probably pumping and doing all that, but it's oh, yeah. To not physically, it's just a very, and again, like, I don't want this to come across as, oh, being a stay-at-home mom, because I've done both, and they're right. very different, because I know that there's stay, working moms that would want to be home, and stay-at-home moms that would want to be at work, and, like, they're yeah. both really hard, either way, because I've experienced both yeah. of them, just in different ways, you know what I mean? Totally, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Okay, I want to transition to talking about sleep, because you have one of the coolest and most interesting jobs for new moms or for any type of mom. And I didn't know what a sleeping consultant was until I had a baby. And so I think for any new moms out there, I want you to tell us what being a sleep consultant is. So for someone who hasn't heard of the profession, tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, I actually feel like today it's actually way more of a thing than when mm. I had been. It was born in 2013. He's yeah. nine. And like at the time, yes, they were around, but not the way that they are now. So now like this day and age, there's taking care of babies and like everything. Yep. There's definitely a wide known thing about them. Right. So it's newer. Right. But it's definitely like a thing that yeah. you don't really know until you're a mom. So it's interesting because you technically can claim yourself as a sleep consultant without going to school. Uh, Any advice to anybody listening to this? If you're looking for a sleep consultant, I think it's very important to find a certified sleep consultant because basically that means that they've gone to school. That said, I mean, of course, there's a lot of people that are very knowledgeable out there that have done like education on their own, but I just think it's important, you know, to have a certification. So there's schools, just like any sort of thing, like, you know, like nutrition, which me and you both find interesting that basically teaches people how to help parents get their children and toddlers to sleep better. So a lot of it is science backed research. There's doctors that go back in to when we were children in the eighties, but you know, it was just books and things that are. What is the popular book? My pediatrician told me to get it. It's like Mark Weisberg or something like that. It's like happy baby, happy sleep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Weisbluth and Ferber, I would say, are probably the two most well-known sleep educators. And they're doctors. So a lot of them are pediatricians. And they have gone and written books and done research about sleep and 
all this stuff. So basically when you become a sleep consultant, you go to school and you study all of these professors, mm-hmm. just like you would with mm-hmm. any subject. That's Weisbluth, that's Ferber, that's the sleep lady, Kim, I can't remember her last name ever. Mm-hmm. So it's all these different methodologies on how to help your child sleep, because yep. basically there's a small handful of children that will do it on their own, but there's a large subset of children that don't know how to sleep. And the misconception is that that sleep is a learned behavior. So if your child doesn't learn to do it by themselves, you have to help them. Mm -hmm. And whether that be breaking bad habits or bad sleep hygiene, all these things, you hire a coach that will look at your specific situation and your specific family and kind of say, okay, you know, based upon what's going on, here's really what my recommendation is. And they'll tell you, or we tell, this is what you need to do. I think the big caveat is there's, there's taking care of babies where if you do this, 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 and this, when you hire a sleep consultant, it's, there's many different ways that you can approach a situation and you work with a family to find something that works for the family. So when I work with a family, I'm not only always proposing one thing. So it's very like, customized, listen, yeah. Yeah, so I like listen to what their goals and their feelings are and how comfortable yep. they are. And then together we would devise a plan and say, okay, well, based upon what you guys are trying to achieve, I think this is how you need to go about it. And then to kind of tap into the emotional side, it's really stressful to sleep train a child. And oftentimes okay. you need a third party person to be there to kind of help you through that sleep deprivation arguments that you have in the middle of the night. So we're hired to kind of be that almost like a therapist in a certain sense to kind Mm -hmm. of say like, he's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. He cried for a really long time, but I can tell you that he's going to be okay. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. You're not hurting your Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. and just have that voice of reason or that professional to kind of help you through the process of sleep training. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say from my personal experience, and you, I think you might've said this to me at the beginning too, which is to your point you just made, which is oftentimes the process can be like even more helpful for the parent. Yeah. (laughs) You know, obviously the end goal is to like help your baby and to help them learn the skill and um, everyone gets more sleep in the end, but it's a lot of handholding, I think probably with the parents, obviously they're the, the adults that like work with you, but I think that that is not a misconception, but something that I learned very quickly working with you. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fear. It's a fear-based thing. I think a lot of people like don't sleep train because they're so fearful of the actual like act of sleep training. Always. I've had so many calls with people where literally they're looking at me like, I hate you. I don't want to do, what are you telling me to do? And then by the end, they're like, I'm not going to lie. Like I was so fearful and I didn't want to do it. And then once we got started, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be always thinking the worst case scenario. And then once you get in into it, you're like, okay, I can do this, you know? Totally. And how did you get into it, Kelly? I know you've told me like high level before, but for people listening, what was that transition like for you from going to become certified sleep consultant? So I, we had moved out of the city and we were living in the suburbs and I was pregnant with my third. And I knew that I was going to be a stay at home mom, but I also knew that that wouldn't completely suffice that I needed an outlet. And I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be. And I had always hired, my kids were never great sleepers. So we, I'd worked with so many sleep consultants by the time I had had two children and I had worked with a company when I had Finley and I had a really great experience. And so I was following them on Instagram and they had posted they were hiring sleep consultants and I was like oh this is interesting to me it was like Mm -hmm. the first time where it was a subject that I actually genuinely was interested in and wanted I enjoyed reading sleep books I enjoyed learning it was just something that I enjoyed and so I was like ah I might as well so I filled out the form like it was a pretty intense it wasn't like your name and your email yeah just to even to get to talk to her, it was like, tell me how you would handle this situation or how would you handle this situation? Right. So that okay. was the first intake form. And then I passed that. So then we had it and I had a conversation with the owner of the company and she was like, I think you'd be great, you know? And she said, but I do require all of my sleep consultants It's a pretty large company. There's like 32 consultants. She's like, all of my consultants have to go to school and be certified. And I was like, of course. So while I was still pregnant, I went to school 
is all online, which is great. I was able to do it like from home while the other two yep. were in school in the mornings. And then I graduated, I think right around the time that she was born. Cool. Um, and then I launched with the company like a couple months after. And then I worked with that company for about three years. And then about a little over a year ago, switched over to another company, Little Dreamers. And it's just the two of us, me and the founder, Marietta. And it's mm-hmm. just been a great change and like a great experience because it's a small company. And yeah, um, yeah. so it's been a little over four years now because while I just turned four that I've been helping people. So it's, it's crazy that it's been that long. It sounded like it came really naturally. It was almost like, well, a personal experience with your babies and working with your own sleep consult, partnering with them in your own way. So you had that, but then just being passionate about like learning about it and reading about it and consuming it and like becoming your own expert at it. Like it does sound like it was super natural. Yeah, it was. And I think the main reason was just because I had used sleep consultants and I really yeah. Do as like a parent, what I needed from a sleep consultant. Mm-hmm. And I always tell clients when I work with them that I do this as a job, but I do this more so to help. I mean, like I'm not making a majillion dollars over here, you know, like I wish. Yeah. maybe one yeah. day, maybe in the future, sure. that will be my thing. But it's really to have somebody say to you, you have changed my life. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people, like, I don't mean that in an arrogant way at all. No. I think about like my past career and what I was doing and to be so like unsatisfied from like a personal level. Like, am I doing anything? Am I helping anybody? To literally have just only changed like one person's life, which I know I've changed more than that. Yeah. Is like the best feeling to know that I'm like helping people. Um, Yes. And it's very satisfactory. I've never had a satisfaction in a job or like a fulfillment in the way that I do to, to like be a sleep consultant. So it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's very satisfying. I love helping people. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like it's really rewarding and fulfilling, which is the number one most important thing. And I will say from personal experience, again, like you've totally changed our lives for the better. You helped me through a very rough time. You know, I was very, like you mentioned, like you talked to probably a lot of fearful moms. Like I was very fearful. (laughs) You never, you don't want your baby to be harmed. You want them to be okay. You know, you like the hours of crying at night. You're like, how can I possibly get through this? But yeah, you're, I think you've chosen a path where you absolutely can I mean, you helped us so immensely. Um, like Maddox is a, a wonderful sleeper now and finally slept through the night. And <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he took his little time. Okay. This is a really silly question, but I wanted to ask it uh, to you because obviously you do this day in, day out. Do you feel like I get have gotten like passing comments, whether I, I don't even know who they're from at this point, but there are a lot of things that like the older generation like didn't use when it comes to sleep. There was no blackout shades and there was no white noise and there was kind of, you know, like there's all these tools that I feel like are actually like science. There's research done and they're like science backed the brain for kids or babies like settles more when there is white noise on, they can go into a deeper sleep, et cetera. So like, what do you say to people who are kind of like, really, do you need all that stuff? Or like, <laughs> mm-hmm. do you have any experience with that? And what do you say to people? <laughs> well, I mean, not necessarily like in terms of products. I mean, yeah. like maybe the white noise stuff. Um, sure. But I think to your point, I always go back to like, well, yeah, but science, blah, blah, blah. What I really kind of go back to is like, it's not the same raising children this day yeah. than it was then. Yeah. You know? Things are so different. And so therefore, whatever applied back then doesn't apply here anymore. And I think more than that, I get a lot of, oh, I can't believe you let your baby cry. And what I always say to like that is, you probably did too. You just didn't know because you didn't have a monitor or you didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yes. what I usually will say then like with like the blackout because I was very weird about blackout stuff 
And what I would say is like, but they don't sleep without it. So what, you know, <laughs> they sleep better with it. Why wouldn't we do it? You know what I sure. mean? So it's like, yeah. and again, it, I even am cautious to say that because I know there are, there's, I call them unicorn babies because they are, they exist. Yeah. I've met them and I yes. know them. And they can yeah. sleep in, in light rooms without yeah. white noise. But yeah. what I can tell you is that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. That's just not the norm. And if you yeah. have one or multiple of those, props to you. You've hit the jackpot, but that is not the norm. Babies are in our stomach in a dark environment with grumbly loud noises. And that's yes. the way that they are comfortable. And you mimic that environment as long as you need to, right? Yeah. I always say, like, it's not forever. People yeah. are always like, oh my gosh, I have to put my baby to bed at this time. And I'm like, this is not forever. You have a child and you need to meet their needs. I always say that you need to meet their needs where they're at now. They're mm-hmm. going to grow and their needs are going to change and you will evolve and change with them. But yeah. you have a baby and you can't just have a baby and keep them out till 11 o'clock. Right. That's just not fair to the child. So yeah, I don't care. Haters exist. There's so many <laughs> haters. So many yeah, there is so charged. The sleep training, I, I mean, just through like a, my, you know, you get your new mom Instagram black hole that you go down. There's so many conflicting. It's like the most charged topic, I feel like, for new moms on Instagram. Like people in the comments on posts about like sleep training or the not the opposite of sleep training or co-sleeping, yeah. whatever it is. Like it is so charged. What is it about it? <laughs> I think it's just personal beliefs, right? As a sleep consultant, you're not, it's a misconception that sleep consultants believe you have to do this and you mm-hmm. have to sleep this way. If yeah. somebody comes to me and says, well, I co-sleep and I breastfeed all night long and I love it. I'd say, great. I'm so happy for you. And that works for your family. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not asking you to change. Those are not the people that we work with. The people that we work with are the people that are like, have bags under their eyes. They cry all day because they're sleep deprived. They can't drive. They're fighting with their husbands and they are not sure if they like being a parent because they're not sleeping. Those Mm -hmm. are the people that need to change. It is everybody needs to do their own thing and stay in their own lane and support each other. And that's the thing about motherhood and parenthood and sleep consultants are the same way. We don't force anybody to do anything that they're not comfortable with. And if you love co-sleeping and sleeping with your children by all means like it is your life continue to do that it just didn't work for me Mm -hmm. and what I needed as a mom and as a parent and therefore I needed to choose a different path but that's okay and I don't need anybody to shame me for doing that my children are fine they are healthy there's not attachment issues and let me tell you they have cried for hours but they mm-hmm. are just fine and healthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know that from personal experience. I think if I didn't have children and I was a sleep consultant, I think I would sometimes feel really uneasy about like repeating the things that I learned in school. But because I faced them firsthand, I feel very confident in saying, nope, the baby's going to love you in the morning. Everything's going to be fine. You can still breastfeed your baby. You know what I mean? Like all those. Totally. Well, yeah, like with me, I was not ready to give up one night feed and you were right. like, okay, that's, that's fine. But <laughs> like, you know, it's like you didn't force me either way because you exactly what you said, you meet parents where they're at, which I think is so important. And also such just a good general lesson that you just said, which is every mom has to do what is right for them and their baby, whether it's unrelated to sleep or sleep related, it, yeah. it's, you quickly learn that is I think just to be as accepting and hold the space for every mom to be the kind of mom that they want to be because they're the perfect mom for their child. That's a quick lesson that you got to learn as a mom. Otherwise it can get real nasty out there. Oh yeah. yeah. A couple more questions on sleep. Do you feel like sleep is, it feels like, you know, there's the regressions, right? You you can do sleep training and then like you can go through it. I'm not sure if Maddox has gone through any regressions, but it's all often written about or like talked about yeah. you know, on X place. But then like you gain a new skill or like then you enter toddlerhood or then I do feel like there's a sense of like sleep is this very 
kind of delicate, fragile thing. And it's almost like a formula that you kind of have to keep working a little bit. Like you can have a really great foundation. They can have the skill of knowing how to go to sleep, but there is some kind of vulnerability around it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think it changes. So, you know, you're never, and I always say that, like they're not robots and we can't. Yes. Yes. Regression is a word I feel like I don't love as a sleep consultant because mm-hmm. I'll often like get clients and they'll be like, oh, we're having a sleep regression. And I'll be like, okay, well, tell me what's going on. And they'll mm-hmm. be like, well, they were sick. So then we started sleeping together and then everything's like gone off the haywire. And I'm like, okay, that's not really a regression. That is that we've just gone away from our habits and we're creating yeah. bad habits, right? Yep that's like one piece of it. So I don't think that's necessarily regression as much as we've just strayed away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there are natural regressions. I find a lot of people say 18 months is one of the biggest, biggest regressions because of what happens developmentally. Mm -hmm. I often find 12 to 13 months is a big regression because they, a lot of babies or toddlers will start walking at that age. And I think that it's a pivotal age where they kind of become they're kind of changing into toddlerhoods. And so they're really becoming more independent and they're starting to kind of be more aware of their surroundings and maybe fight sleep more. They often are almost ready to transition to one nap. So I feel like for me personally, in my experience, I feel like 12, 13 months, I see a lot more. 18 Mm -hmm. months though is kind of, I'd say like the most talked about sleep regression. But if you have a developmental leap, right? Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. stay close to what your original sleep training methodology was, yeah, then you're not going to get too far off. And then hopefully within a week or so, they go back to sleeping. If you have a child that was sleeping well, and then like, is all of a sudden not sleeping. And then like, it's been like weeks, that's not necessarily a regression. Mm-hmm. There's usually something more going on. Mm-hmm. So like meaning I would then kind of dig further and I always find, okay, well, okay, this is going on or this, they all yeah. of a sudden started doing this or, oh wait, okay, it's time to transition the nap or he's just sleeping too long during the day. There's always something sure. else going on. So yeah. some investigation work needs to go on. But to go back to like your original point, at least as a mom, yeah, like totally. Lolly was a phenomenal sleeper until she was two and a half. And then she hit two and a half and she has been, whoa, not good. Uh And like, I can say that. I know all the time. Uh She's just not great right now. And I think that that's personality, age, all the things, right? A lot of factors. Full full time. So it's always going to change. Sure. I think it levels out, I would say, around five. I think five, you really kind of are in a pretty, either like, either you're good or you're not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. five-year-old that's maybe still sleeping with you, that's really going to be really hard to break. Yeah. But for the most part, I think by five, they really have the developmental understanding of what they're expected to do. And you can really kind of talk to them and like figure it out at that age. But yeah, like before that, it's kind of hit or miss. You always got to change things. Totally. I literally, so you're telling me like, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. (laughs) That's what it kind of feels like. I'm always like, it's almost like a tiptoe feeling, right? Like, okay. Like, yes, generally. Yeah. Yeah. But again, he could be a unicorn. There are the unicorns. So like, I just have never, I would say actually Cade was probably a unicorn sleeper. Like he was not a great sleeper as a baby. And that was probably a lot of me because I didn't know what I was doing. He was my first child. But then when he hit like two and a half, he probably hasn't even gotten up once since he was like two and a half. Oh my gosh. Unless he's like sick. So he's my solid guy. So maybe he's a unicorn, but the girls (laughs) are a little bit (laughs) and maybe girls are more emotional. My middle is six. And I feel like this last year has been a really, okay, you're like, figuring it out she's been good lately and then like lolly is just four and she just I don't even really know she's keeping (laughs) me in the business because she's been really challenging but you you have to pull all of your tricks and stops out with your own (laughs) a hundred percent she's making me very amazing and Marietta my boss is always like you're such an amazing toddler sleep consultant and I'm like it's because I've had the worst experiences 
of having toddlers. So yeah, my, my children tend to be better baby sleepers, but really bad toddler sleepers. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat till he's five and then I'll, maybe I'll relax. <laughs> then you'll have another baby. So you won't be yeah. relaxed. Exactly. I'll start all over, all over. Okay. Just a couple more things on sleep. I'm wondering, um, these are more fun questions. One, if you had to give someone who like wanted to learn, aside from looking up you and little dreamers and looking at all the great content, cause you really do, you guys post like a lot of really great tips on your Instagram feed and your stories. Is there a book or a resource or a blog or like if you had to leave one new mom with, hey, go check this out or read this, is there mm-hmm. something that comes to mind? Probably Weissblue's book is the best in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. It's very scientific, though. It's very, I have it. It's scientific, but I would read it while I was, me and my carrier in Appsomatics, like I would just yeah. carry that kid around and read I, the book. <laughs> he does a very good job of kind of dissecting what is helpful sleep props and what's not so I think he has a section in his book where he'll be like pacifiers bottles and this and rocking and this are really habits whereas white noise this I think if it was your first baby and you just needed a general understanding what is a good sleep environment look like how often does a newborn need to go down for a nap he'll give you great general guidelines on that I mean, outside of that, I would honestly say, I think even more like being on Instagram and finding sleep consultants like us, because we do so much free information is almost more helpful because I feel like it's dissectable information as a mom. We just really don't have the time to read a book, but you're going to be nursing or feeding and you can just pop on Instagram and read a story. Like we have highlights where it's the two to one nap or night meeting and you can just pop on there and read it and it'll give you like a good base of what you need to do. It just depends how your brain works and what you're wanting to get. So yeah, maybe get that book, but then also just by searching on Instagram for like free sleep tips, we do $20 questions. So like, Mm -hmm. which I think is amazing. You can literally send us a DM and for $20, we'll answer your sleep question. So it's like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I would probably more rely on that, but his book's good too. Yeah, it's called, I just looked it up because I couldn't remember the name. Is it Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child? Mark Wyeth's Bluth. Yeah, that's his book. Yeah, that yeah. one. And um, Ferber, so Ferber as well, the check methodology. So a lot of sleep consultants will say like, my method is this. It's not their method. It's yeah, Ferber. it's the Ferber method. <laughs> yeah. And to explain what it is, it's you let your child cry for a certain amount of time. Then you go in, you console, you leave, you let them cry. So that's his book. I would say, honestly, probably the majority of the clients that I work with choose his method because it's somewhere in between like a cry it out method and a very hands-on method where you're like staying in the room. So in the like hundreds of families that I've worked with, I'd say probably maybe like 90% have chosen that method. Wow. Okay. So his book would be great too, because it kind of will walk you through like how mm-hmm. to do that. That said, probably every sleep consultant owns that as their method too, though. It's like, yeah. let the baby cry then you're going to go in and check on them. Um, do you have a sleep item that you like can't live without? Live without? For baby like for your baby, toddlers. for your baby. Let's, if you have, if they're different for each, I would say baby because I'm selfishly, I have a baby, but if you have a toddler one, I'd like to know it too. I would probably say a sleep sack. Just How like, long are they in sleep sacks? I keep them in sleep sacks until they're out of cribs. Okay, so which is two? Three. Three. Uh-huh. Yeah, so them in cribs till three. I mean, obviously, between two and three, there's a lot that happens. Yeah. Crib jumping, uh, tons, yep. right? Um, Maddox is coming out of that crib as soon as he can. Yeah. <laughs> I know but, it. <laughs> but being in a sleep sack, A, number one is safe because I see so many newborns sleeping with blankets, and that's a safety hazard. So it's yeah. a way to keep them warm while keeping them safe. And then two, as they enter into toddlerhood, it also prevents them from crib jumping more likely. They can still get over. It just makes Mm -hmm. it harder. So I would say sleep sack, it's a visual representation of sleep. So like when you're zipping up the sleep sack, it's a like visual cue, like, okay, sleep is coming. It's something that you do in your routine that teaches Mm -hmm. them that sleep is coming. 
And then probably a white noise machine. I know that's so cliche mm -hmm. for sleep consultants, but especially as you have multiple children, your child and your children are most likely not going to be going to sleep at the same time and you need yeah. to block out. So that's really the purpose that I see. I don't really see white noise as I know there's again research that shows as newborns it gets them into deeper REM sleep that it helps their mm -hmm. brain waves. And I do believe in that, but I honestly think the sole purpose or the main purpose of why I like white noise is because it blocks out exterior noises. So yeah. the noises in your house, the garbage man in the morning, the dog barking, the yep. five year old that was maybe up in the middle of the night. That's really why I like white noise. And I actually really like white noise in the hallway. We have one in each of our children's room, and but it's low, but the one in the hallway is like really loud. And mm -hmm. that's just nice because if we're eating dinner, our house is not small. Yeah. Most people or is not yeah. big. So yeah. most people in the Bay Area have smaller houses and you got to kind of make do with yeah. the space you have. So yeah. um, those can be really helpful. Yeah, that's such good tips. Okay. I loved talking about sleep. Thank you so much for bestowing all your wisdom and tips. Um, I know it's going to help so many new moms and, or not even just new moms, all moms. And we'll make sure that all of the stuff is linked. So um, anyone who wants to go read more about the resources that Kel recommended, you guys can have a place for that. Okay. Final couple things. Then we're going to our magic three questions. Uh, we touched on this a little bit. I think you were said something like, uh, the max capacity idea that you were on and just like having not a lot of room for much else. You're like, we are at the max. <laughs> so I'm just curious how, this is maybe a lame question, but like, how do you navigate through like the schedules and like the school and like making time for you and John? And like, is there an approach you take that you fly by the seat of your pants? Do you have some sort of routine? Like, how do you find the balance? I mean, I don't think there's a balance. I think the one benefit from being type A is being very organized. And so I think that really benefits you when you have yeah. multiple children. And so those that know me know I'm like a very cleanly, crazy person like that. I mean, I do a lot of prep at night. John works really late hours. And so I oftentimes am doing bedtime by myself. But that said, when he's here and he's home, then we're doing everything that we can to kind of get ready for the next day. So yeah. Everything that we can, we lay out lunch boxes, we lay out water bottles, we lay out everything that we can the night before. Clothes yeah. are laid out for school. We know that the children have to be up by seven. So we have to leave by eight. And okay. we've just kind of found that we need, my children need an hour to be up and be out the yeah. door. So we wake them up at seven. And I'd say the one thing that I would really say has helped us and is life changing, although very hard, is that we have to wake up before them. Okay. So, and every day is different. Like we're not perfect because if we didn't get a great night's sleep, it's really hard. But we really try to get up between six and six thirty so that we can okay. like take a shower and like just be briefly ready before. Yeah. And that yep. alone is like my biggest tip because if I get up at the same time as them, it's just crazy. It's already chaos anyways, but like if yeah. I can be like somewhat ready or if yeah. I can sit down and have a sip of my coffee before they get up, then yeah. I'm like already in a better mood. Uh -huh. So prep get up before them. We do a lot of prep at night. So yep. I'm just very organized with my schedule. So I only have certain days that I take clients. I know what days I am going to work out. So every day is kind of just a different priority. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I work out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoons, I take clients. Thursday, Fridays yeah. are free days. I don't take clients. I just, yeah. I'm really trying to do more like self-care stuff this year because yeah. it's really been put off the last yeah. four years. Yeah. Um, but that said, like we do not have it figured out. It's definitely not balanced. That We're sounds pretty figured out to me. Just I mean, I'm like so key in your tips. Of laundry, I have systems for laundry, just normal stay at home mom stuff so that it makes me while I'm working, I kind of know like, okay, today is Monday and today is Kate's laundry day. I do each children's laundry on a certain day. We each have oh, there's, I five like that. there's five of us. There are seven days in the week. I do laundry Monday through Friday. Each person has a day. And that's it. 
And so like, I just kind of know I grocery shop on the same day. I grocery shop on Monday. What day? Oh, Monday. Mondays are my grocery shop days. And I try to not. Trader Joe's? I do go to Trader Joe's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just like trying to just have like processes in place really yeah. has kind of helped. Summer is a whole nother summer is just like crazy. It's a mess. And honestly, oh, totally. this summer like really kind of did me in. I was I <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. There was no me time at all. So yeah, I'm really trying to I and that's the other thing about having three kids. I feel like I can breathe a little right now. Uh, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, wow. I can like do something for myself. So really just doing the things that me and you used to do, like going to acupuncture or yes. going to get a massage oh. every once in a while. Like, Honestly, acupuncture is such a great self-care tool. To like, yeah. Like as you're talking, that's a good uh, little hint to do. Cause I'm like, I, I feel like I need one thing aside from like a workout class that's you know, yeah. something grounding. Um, Are you working out right now? I just rejoined Daily Method. So that's one thing on the kind of your, how you have Tuesday, Thursdays free and how you're like this, these two days I work out. I'm like, okay, right now, Saturday, Sunday, 10 a.m. bar class is my thing. Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, no I think no those are. There is no balance, but I will say what you, I feel like you just think there's a lot of good tools in there. Um, so it seems like you do, you have your systems that keep you calm and they, or keep you organized or in, as grounded as possible in the, in the chaos. Yeah. I mean, for me, when things aren't organized, I feel chaotic. And so therefore yeah. in order for me to feel calm, I need to feel organized. And so I yeah. need to prioritize those things and those things are those things exactly. Right. So yeah. That's what I had to do. And that's why having kids was so hard for me because I don't like messy houses and I don't like the stuff and the clutter. And this like made me crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Gosh, we're so similar. Okay. Last question uh, before we end. I have, and it's so funny rereading your little letter, how you wrote, you wrote in the letter, I wrote it down in your intro, that one thing you, I learned from you is that marriage is fun and exciting. And I really did learn that from you because I feel like I still do. And at the time, just so admired you and John and your partnership and just how much you like loved and respected each other. And I felt like it was such a great, like I was seeking at that time in my life, really great, like couple role models. Yeah. <laughs> and so you and John, like you and knowing each other for such a short time, it was just this instant, like way I felt about like, wow, what a great, what a great partnership and team and like couple they are. And so, you know, I think Pat and I have learned a lot as first time parents, you know, or your relationship evolves, you challenge each other in new ways, you hit rock bottom, you go to these like dark places and you still love each other, like through it all. And yeah. so. I don't even know, I don't even know if I have like a concrete question for this, but I guess maybe, maybe it's more of just advice, you know, if all of you and John have been through together, like through three kids and through parenting and the ups and downs, I don't know, what advice do you have for, for anyone who wants to have, you know, a successful or positive relationship through it all? Oh, so I think often when you have kids, and things are hard, you take it out on your significant other. Rightfully so, right? Because who else are you going to take it out on? So I'll be very transparent in fact that like John and I have fought way more having children than not because mm-hmm. I mean, for us, there was of course, like, yeah, really stressful. So I think what I try to do more is remember, I think I take a lot of my like anger of the children out on him. But what I found, if I can just step back and be like, wait, this is, we're in this together. Yeah. Nobody else. Mm -hmm. So like you and Pat have a different situation. Mm -hmm. Me and John only know what we're going through with our children. Yeah. And nobody else can understand your dynamic. Mm -hmm. And like, thank God you have that other person. So instead of like approaching it, like, I'm so angry because this Mm -hmm. is happening and now I'm going to lash out at you. I'm trying to be more, and I think he does too. Oh, thank God we have each other to like. Mm, good mindset shift. Like, yeah. Oh God, he did that. Oh my gosh, John. Like I used to be like, oh gosh, John, like, well, you should have done that. And I'm like, wow. 
okay, what can we do to like mm -hmm. help him? So just like, I mean, it's, this seems silly. I don't really know if I'm answering your question, but just more trying to understand that like, you're the same person when it comes to like, you guys are on the same page when it comes to yeah. regardless because yeah. we tend to blame each other for that. Right. Yeah. But I think just having a solid friendship, you know, like yes. ultimately like to this day. So John, and I just had our 11 year wedding anniversary. I just genuinely like him as a person. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that's really what gets you through time. Like it's true. Not like, I still find him attractive. I still love him. And I like, like all of those good things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you're such a good person. Yes. I admire that about him. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, yeah. I know that regardless that I have that in him mm -hmm. and I admire who he is as a person is like really important. I mean, we were dating for five years before we got engaged. So we had yeah. a low and steady foundation yes. before we had kids and we were married for a full year before we had children. So we didn't rush into anything. And I'm very grateful for that because yep. we've definitely had some hardships having children and I can see how having children really puts a stress on your marriage. Yep. But I just try to remember that we only have each other and that if we don't have each other, that's going to be 10 times worse. And so we need to be good. And I mean, it's just kind of go more on that. So like what we've been able to do in the coming years as the kids have gotten older is we go date night every single mm -hmm. week. John works a lot. We don't see each other. We really yeah. don't. We do, but we don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So every week we try to go to dinner and like, it doesn't happen all the time, but that yeah. been, I think life changing and we didn't have it in the summer. Yeah. And I noticed the stress was so much higher when we did. Yeah. 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 So one you know, week dinner. I've asked, or I've asked a handful of yeah, the mom have, to mommy. Okay. Well, it's funny. This is a common theme. Like I've asked probably a handful of, you know, the, of the, there's been like what, 12, 12 episodes and every time people say like having that having that uninterrupted time together whether it's like the weekly date night or like the little ritual you guys do together but it's yeah. so interesting and Pat and I have not we have other things that we do but we don't have that like intentional date night go out whether we call it date night or what like that whatever that like quality time right intentional like outside to go do something fun but that is a common theme that everyone says really helps <laughs> Yeah. What do they call it? It's like date your spouse. You have yes, to remember yeah. what it's like before you had kids. Mm -hmm, because yeah. otherwise you're just going to be parents together and there's nothing like sexy about that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a lot that. of work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's nice to like go out and like, it's of course you go out and you like just talk about your children, but fine. Okay. At least you're not with sure. them. And like, you're like at a nice restaurant and you're like having a nice glass of wine and like, you're like, oh, wow, my husband's like really attractive. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, you have to yeah. remember. And yeah. like, it's yes. just, and I know a lot of people will do it at home, which I think is great too. But like, yeah. then you're just going to be in sweatpants, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Which is fine. Yeah. But try every once in a while, you yeah. know, to like, yeah, there's something yeah. why you married each other, right? Yes. Yes. No, it's so true. There's something about that intentional, like getting dressed, leaving the house, the, the whole experience of that. I totally agree. Well, that's really good advice, Cal. I think there was so many good, so many good nuggets in there. And yeah, I just love you and John. So. No, love you. Um, okay. Last year we end, we're ending on the magic three questions. Okay. What is one thing that took you by surprise or you feel like no one ever talked about that you learned was part of being a mom? That it was really hard. I honestly don't think anybody said how hard it was. Is that I agree. No, that's how I feel. That's probably my answer. That's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> At the beginning, I just kept saying, oh, my God, this is really hard. And maybe people told me, but nobody I didn't process me. it until I had it, had one. Nobody told me. <laughs> okay. Take yourself back to the early days of having Cade. If you could give that first-time mom version of you one piece of advice, what would it be? Just try to relax. You're so uptight, and you just need to just relax. I mean, I just think I was scrambling and stressed, and I just, like, relax, but also, like, 
get more help maybe yeah like maybe just like get more help relax mm -hmm. and just get more help like i yeah. was never the mom to take a nap when the baby slept never i never did yeah mm -hmm. and like those are the things where i'm like why did i not do that and i didn't do that with any of them because that's not who i am mm -hmm. nor will i probably ever be but like i wish maybe it could be you know <laughs> totally uh, so like relax a, a little bit more it's hard to receive help, I think, in those when you're especially maybe the second time around is easier. But I definitely feel like people, even maybe my mom or whoever was like, how can I help you? And I felt like I wasn't in a place to receive the help. So I think that's that's good advice too. not, you know, relaxing and also try to receive the help that people are giving you or offering you. Totally. Take the help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last one. If you could sum up motherhood in one word or phrase, what would it be? I did read this one and I was like, oh, the hard one. <laughs> and I was like, I was going to say challenging, but I'm like, that sounds so negative. So I feel like to make it more positive, I would say transformative, like mm -hmm. no matter who you are, right? No matter where you are in your life, regardless of your age or whatever, it's going to transform you good, bad, whatever. You're going to yeah. not be the same person no matter what. And with each child, you will transform. You will not be the same. You will not be the same person when you have your second child. You mm -hmm. will not because you will, mm -hmm. it, it will transform you. You're going, your whole life will change. You know, you will still have certain aspects of you that are the same, but, but it will transform you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it changes you forever. And yeah, I think that's such a good point that like every time, if you have multiple, like you're a different person than you were when you had the previous. Right. Transformative is such a good word. No one has said that um, on the show yet. So thanks for leaving us with all this wisdom, Kel. I'm so, so grateful and honored that you took time out of your busy mom and sleep consulting life to do this with me. And I know that just by listening to this, you're going to help so many, so many other moms. And if anyone needs an amazing support system when it comes to sleep training or just anything sleep related with their with their babies or toddlers um you definitely need to look kelly up because she will she will definitely change your life for the better so thank you friend for being here thank you for having me all right guys thanks for tuning in for another episode of mama to mamas we'll see you soon